Welcome to the Puzzle of Us, where we are helping you pick up the broken pieces of marriage, life, and love, and put them back together again to feel whole. I'm your host, Chelsea Peterson, owner and clinical director of Cash Valley Counseling. I've helped hundreds of clients through their my career at Cash Valley, and I wanted to bring my expertise to everybody. I am a licensed in marriage and family therapy, and I offer over a decade of experience. Uh, I did recently have the opportunity to speak at an OFY which is an outdoor for women's event. And the topic of high desire, low desire partner, and I don't have high desire. And what does that really mean? Came up as it always does when the topic of sex gets broached, particularly for women. I think the, the question often lies in, I want to be more sexual. I want to be more open. I want to to sex and I want to be more intimate and I'm not quite sure how to get there. Um, Recently, I had a couple that this was their exact scenario coming into to counseling of they wanted to have a more satisfying sexual relationship and uh, one partner had a higher desire than the other. And we were really able to help them navigate and talk about, begin to even start to talk about and find success in what does sex look like for them and how do they, you know, continue to talk about it, broach the topic, and and what does that look like, a sexually satisfying relationship, what does that look like for them? So we were able to discuss that and and help them really um, find sexual satisfaction in their relationship. So today, I am going to be talking to you about high desire and low desire partners, and what that really means, what that looks like, and if I'm a high desire, what should I be expecting from my low desire partner, and if I'm a low desire partner, how do I how do I help my, how do I increase that so that there isn't such a gap? Um, and that's really where we're going to be spending our time here today. So often people talk about um, desire or uh, I, I would like sex more than my partner does, um, or I'm more into it, or I always have to initiate. Those are some of the things that I hear people say. So Really what we're talking about is someone having a higher desire or, or a higher um, sexual drive than someone else. That doesn't mean that they don't have the capacity to increase. Uh, a lower desire partner does not have the capacity to increase, um, but that they just naturally may fall out of that category or, or be less than their partner. Um, at certain times, a low de desire partner can be the high desire partner at other times in the relationships. Um, higher desire partners can be the lower desire partnership. So it is important to know that this can change. We're talking in generalities. Um, the, the high desire partner typically tends to be male, often due to um, testosterone. The lovely hormone testosterone tends to uh, have a higher sex desire. Another thing that often um, I think it's easier for men to have a, to be more open or to be more explorative or to be more um, maybe easily sexually aroused. Um, part of that is they, they naturally are more sexually aroused. They're, their whole biological, they are biologically hardwired to reproduce. Um, that's what men's jobs are. And our society has evolved a lot over the last millennia. And we no longer are just, you know, walking around spreading our seed and, and doing nothing else, right? A lot of us practice monogamy, some of us don't, and that's okay. But typically there is one person um, or, or 
in men, in our society, their prime response has been to reproduce. And so biologically, they are a little bit hardwired and our society has made it a little more socially acceptable for them to desire sex more, to be more open to sex. And that is a great thing. Um, however, that same leverage, that same grace has not been extended to women. And therefore, I, I, I think that that uh, often plays into our high desire versus low desire typically that we see men being higher desire and women being lower desire partners. Again, this is, I'm speaking in generalities, that is not always the case. Um, we certainly can see it switched, but sometimes, uh, again, speaking in generalities, that tends to be what happens. Um, a lot of women, I have talked to lots and lots of women who want to be more sexually open to be more sexually aware, to be, um, have find fulfillment in that, to want it, to initiate it, to have joy, to, and, and it's just a, a lot about, um, figuring out what that looks like for you. So the low desire partner can have lower, they can, they can have lower testosterone. They can have hormonal imbalances. Um, oftentimes if a lower desire partner has a lot of stress in their life, so they have a lot of cortisol, cortisol, shuts down those things like reproductive systems, digestive systems, things like that. So sometimes our adrenaline and cortisol shut those systems down instead of and cause them to increase. Um, <clears throat> women tend to have a little bit more anxiety, a little bit more mental health. Again, men can certainly have all of those things as well. Uh, again, speaking in generalities and, and particularly about the sex drive and things that tend to get in the way for a lot of women tend to be uh, inability to really moderate their stress levels and do so in a, in a healthy way so that they can be more open to sex. Um, certainly not always the case, but sometimes um, that, that can really get in the way. So if you are having, um, you know, feeling lots of stress, it's certainly through the lifespan, right? Just looking at um, through the lifespan, women tend to go through phases where they may feel like the last thing I want to do is engage in sexual intimacy with my partner because I have four kids at home and I've been pulled on, touched on, sucked on, whatever, all day long. And I don't want to engage in that type of play with my partner. Um, and so there's, there's a lot of other societal things that I think influence um, women to tend to, to, that push women to be more of the lower desire partner. Um, again, I've, I've seen a lower desire partner in males. Um, occasionally that does happen. Most of the time that's due to a lot of uh, sometimes mental health issues, depression, not feeling, um, feeling a lack of, of desire, uh, hope for life. Um, things like that, uh, often feeling unattracted themselves tends to, um, again, increase a partner's likelihood that they may be a little bit more lower desire than their partner. Um, <clears throat> I, I think this is really important to understand and even, even start to name in your relationship who has the desire, higher desire, who's the lower desire partner. Even just in asking that question, I'm sure if you're listening to this, you could probably say, hey, my partner is a higher desire, or I'm the lower desire partner, or I'm the higher desire partner. 
um, you can probably identify that, but sometimes it just makes it easier to put labels on it, not to label us or keep us in that, in that place, but to just understand what, what might be happening to us um, or, or around us or causing us to have higher desire or lower desire. Um, so I, I really want to, again, sticking to this higher desire and lower desire, specifically in intimacy, um, I, it is important to understand that that's the, the context in which we're talking about this because women desire intimacy men often desire sex to feel intimate, to feel close, right? Intimacy being a, a, a deep connection. And oftentimes for women, that tends to come in emotional security, feeling safe, feeling seen, feeling known, feeling like they matter and they belong. And again, that certainly is the case for higher desire partners or generally speaking men, that they certainly want to feel that, but they feel that most um, readily when someone is, is embracing them, touching them, um, holding them, right? And so sex often becomes two, two people are wanting the same thing. They are wanting closeness. They're wanting intimacy in their relationship. And oftentimes couples come in asking for greater intimacy in their relationship. And we have to break it down to what does that mean? And it's typically both, both emotional intimacy and sexual intimacy um, because we want to feel known we want to feel seen we want to feel vulnerable but in a way that feels safe in a way that feels desired and that also helps create a safe space for sexual exploration men um, again because I, I feel like it's the in the vast majority of cases I have worked with, it has been more men have been socially acceptable to explore, to explore themselves. You know, it's okay for men to masturbate, but it's not okay for women to masturbate. Men tend to have more of a pornography problem. Women don't. And, and it societally, um, it, nothing could be further from the truth. There's many of women who masturbate. There's many of women who have, uh, to, who use pornography, but there are, um, there's a difference in, th there seems to be a little bit like standard wise or culturally, um, women tend to be not put into those categories as readily as men. Um, and so it's important for us to just break those down and, and break down those barriers um, and, and recognize that society has had a pretty big impact on our social socially acceptable views of intimacy and sexual intimacy. So talking about the, the, lower depart, the lower desire partner right now, and really, again, most people who have a higher desire don't necessarily want to have an even higher desire or a lower desire. They're usually relatively satisfied with their, with their sexual desire. Um, so I'm, I'm really going to be talking about, again, kind of where those differences creep up in a relationship, where they present themselves, obviously, even just talking about high desire, low desire, you can imagine, you know, a high desire partner doesn't even want necessarily want sex every day, but maybe multiple times a week as whereas a low desire partner may only want sex every month, once a week, once every other week um, at a lower rate, right? And again, that doesn't, it doesn't matter the number. It just matters that our, our di desires are not necessarily in sync or, or lining up. 
Um, typically what we see that in this, and when there's a high desire and lower desire, we, we first wanna look at the emotional uh, attachment of the relationship and how safe people feel with their partners. Sometimes it purely is a sexual mismatch, um, purely based on hormones and desires and all of that. Most often what I have found is that we seek comfort in the ways that um, it feels most comfortable to us, right? And typically we have someone who is maybe dealing with not feeling wanted or mattering or feeling like they're needed in their relationship and they seek for sex. So I may have a more, I may be very anxiously attached to my partner. However, the way that I tell my partner, hey, I'm not feeling safe in our relationship is by asking for sex. Um, can we have sex tonight? Hey, it's been a while, you know, maybe keeping track of days, that number of days that we've had sex or whatever. If I'm anxiously engaged, I, I may uh, push for that sexually. If I'm anxiously engaged or anxiously attached to my partner and I'm pushing for emotional connection, I might be asking for, you know, when was the last time we had, you helped me with the dishes or you spent time with our kids or not feeling open to sexual exploration because there is a lack of being known or feeling like I matter with my partner. Um, and so we get this, this low desire, high desire, and, and really it goes back to the attachment. And when we are anxiously attached or avoidantly detached or, or, or attached, um, we, we don't get a sense of exploration, a sense of safety. And the, the most in sync, most matched desired places in a relationship and the, the healthiest sexual relationships that I have seen, it doesn't matter what two times a week, five times a week, every day, once a month, it really is about connecting with my partner and the ability to feel safe while exploring together. And uh, sex is another way of doing that. I, I like to, um, sex, sex is often seen as an, an, the adult form of play, right? When we play with our children, when we, when we prioritize playing, you know, sitting on the floor and playing with figurines or building blocks or doing things that are just playing, right? There's no script, there's no expectations, there's no, right? we still need that and desire that as adults. We just don't sit on the floor and play with figurines by ourselves or with another person or another adult person. Um, we, we really do play with each other in sexual exploration. And, and that truly happens when someone feels that they are securely attached in their relationship, which really means that I feel safe, I feel known, I feel that I matter. I feel that I belong. And when they feel that in their relationship, they are more open to exploring sexually. Their desires, their sexual desires are often met. Um, there's an interesting research study out there and I, I'm gonna totally blotch it because I was preparing for this, but I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but there's a, a research finding that um, when couples are not emotionally attached, securely attached, safely attached, being able to be really vulnerable with themselves and their partner in their relationship 
oftentimes, you know, when, when those couples present, typically um, in, in my office even, I've seen them say, we don't, we don't have sex often enough, or they, they report sexual dissatisfaction. Almost 80% of people, of couples who have um, intimacy issues, right, have this lack of secure attachment and they're unable to feel safe and secure in their relationship. So they report that, that sex attributes to 80% of what is wrong in their relationship as opposed to when couples have a healthy, secure relationship, a secure attachment to each other, it only accounts for 20% of the attachment. So again, to kind of simplify this or, or make it more simple, if we're, if we're securely attached and we're happy in our relationship and we feel seen and known and that we matter, sex is only 20% of that, of what's making it good. If it's bad, if it if it's things aren't working and I don't feel safe, 80% of people would say that sex is the reason that we're not close, that we're not connected. And those those are just really interesting findings to me because it is sex does not make a relationship safe and it doesn't make a relationship feel more attached or more bonded. It certainly can help and it certainly can increase intimacy, but it really is in this, this sexual nature of how to really connect with each other and feel safe and feel, feel known, feel seen, feel like I matter. So how do, how do we navigate this difference in desire? How do we navigate this in relationships when we, find that we have a low desire and a high desire partner. Again, it's, it's really addressing that attachment and going to the part of, of, do I feel emotionally seen and safe with my partner? And if I don't, how do I increase that? Again, there's lots of external factors like um, an example might be, uh, let's say you have a, you're, you're a lawyer or you work in the corporate world and you've got a major meeting coming up or a big financial report due or a, um, I can't even, a court date or, or something else that's big, that's kind of stressful, that's kind of happening right now. Oftentimes, again, our cortisol and our adrenaline are up. And so we might get a, a lower, a lower desire. Um, it's, it's knowing those external factors that are also playing a role in my desire state right now. Am I having a lower desire because I'm three months pregnant and all I can do is puke my guts out all day, right? Like there is going to be times where there's lower desire because of external factors, um, some that we can control, some that we can't control. So talking about those, being aware of those, continue, continually assessing them, how, is they, how are they playing into my sexual desire right now and my ability to feel desire and, and focus on this part of, of my life. Um, I, I think the, one of the most challenging things that couples navigate or don't know how to navigate in sexual desire is an open communication. The importance of communication is absolutely huge. It's huge in any part of our relationship, but it becomes particularly difficult, I think, in the sexual realm because we don't know how to talk about it. To very, very often, particularly in conservative Christian cultures where we have been taught to not talk about sex, 
it is often very, very difficult for people to even find the words to talk about with their partner. Um, sometimes, again, it's such a, and, and this can be for men and for women, but sometimes the, the word mention of sex can make somebody blush. Um, then not even just thinking about it, right? Um, but even just saying, hey, you look sexy or something like can just make somebody completely go flush and, and blush and feel dirty or feel all certain, certain ways. So I think that talking about it and talking about it with your partner is one of the most helpful things that couples can do when trying to navigate the differences of desires. Um, be, finding a way, maybe it's, it's code words, maybe it's a way to you know, s- schedule out time to talk about sex, you know, maybe you have kids in the house that are hearing things that you don't want them to be hearing. So you, you might set aside time to say, okay, here's our time to really evaluate and discuss sex and intimacy in our relationship and talk about orgasms, talk about the purpose of sex, talk about how, what you like or what turns you on or fantasies or expectations, um, find space to, to talk about it and have that open communication is one of the greatest things that you could ever do for your relationship, particularly your sexual relationship. Um, it's important to do this and take inventory over all aspects of our relationship. But again, we're focusing on sex today and it's, it's important to focus on that on this and, and set aside time. Again, it may not be weekly. It might be every so often we have a check-in. Um, it may not be scheduled. Some people may schedule it. Those are just some ideas to, to talk about to help you get the conversation started. Um, if you if are finding it really difficult or maybe really embarrassing, or I don't even know how to start the conversation, um, some, some things that have been successful for couples have been doing journals. Um, or a notebook of some sort, being able to say, here's my question, or here's what I'm worried about, or here's, you know, here's how I want to talk about this, um, and being able to journal it back and forth, you know, you write a question, and then you talk about it, or or your husband answers it, or your wife answers it, and then you kind of pass it back and forth. Um, if you're finding it difficult to actually speak the words, um, that can be helpful. Sometimes having a another coupleship couple friends that um, we can talk about it together as a group. Sometimes that also feels uncomfortable. So talking about it with a girlfriend or practicing with someone who feels safe enough to um, practice with, right? That isn't going to make fun of you. That's going to say, oh, well, you're saying clitoris wrong um, or whatever, right? Like helping them, helping you feel more comfortable and getting more comfortable talking about it is really the, the whole the whole hope. Um, the more comfortable you are, the more comfortable you are in sharing, the more aware you are. And if I'm not aware, your partner is not going to be aware. So that, that definitely helps. It's not necessarily going to increase your desire. Oh, because I had this conversation with this person. Now I'm suddenly turned on. That's not the case, but it will help you to have that open communication with your, with your partner and really discovering, spend some time really talking figuring out for yourself, what turns me on? What do I like? What are my gas pedals? To use uh, Emily Nagoski's term, gas pedals and brakes. Um, what turns me on? What makes me feel more open to sex? Um, <clears throat> another thing, one other thing that I think really helps navigating the difference, particularly for a low desire partner, 
um, is putting yourself in a sexual mindset more frequently during the day. Um, uh, the high desire partner is probably often thinking about potential for sexual encounters, what that might look like, what that might feel like, um, playing out fantasies, um, thinking about it, desiring it, and oftentimes in lower desire partners, sex is not even on your radar. So I don't think about, hey, I should probably put on some sexy underwear or, hey, I should, you know, maybe make time for that tonight or I should plan for that. So sometimes that's why scheduling sometimes works for couples and it's terrible for others. Um, but putting yourself in that sexual mindset of being open to it, um, maybe thinking about you know, going throughout your day of, oh, I just finished work and I'm going to head home. And what if it were to, what would it be like if we were to have a cookie in the middle of the afternoon before the kids get home from school? Or what would it be like if, you know, tonight after dinner, put the kids to bed, get everyone settled, and we are able to find a moment to connect? What does that look like? Like, let yourself sort of envision that and fantasize it until it's expecting yourself to be ready for it when it happens in that moment is, is really difficult. It's a really, it's really hard for your body to shift and be open to that. And if you can think about putting yourself in those sexual places a little bit more frequently throughout the day can definitely help. Maybe when your higher desire partner says, Hey, I'd like to engage with you sexually, we can be more open to it. Um, it is important to also, you know, be able to find that middle ground. Um, sex is an important part of a relationship. It is a very bonding experience and, uh, oxytocin is called the love hormone because it's found in being passed between couples, uh, when they are having, having sex, um, and having deep connecting emotional conversations as well as breastfeeding between a mother and a child. Um, and our, our body desires that it wants that it wants to be, it wants that oxytocin fix and we get that, but we, we also need to, to find that common ground. It, it's not something you can force your body to feel. Um, and it, it, oxytocin will only flow when there's that safe environment as well. So being able to find that middle ground, um, continuing to open, a, to be open about it, setting expectations for it is, is also um, incredibly important and part of that open communication. Another thing I want to just touch on too is it's never too late to reach out for, for therapy. Um, sex therapy is a really common thing and uh, can also help you address, you know, do we have a secure connection in our relationship? Do I feel seen and heard and important to my partner and thus increasing my sexual desire and my, my sexual openness for connecting so sexually with my partner if I'm feeling seen and heard. So sex therapy um, or couples therapy is never done often enough and should be done sooner than it is most often. Um, don't wait until you're, you know, really hate each other to, to really go to therapy. Um, it can be a great way. Many of the things that we've talked about already are things that can, can be addressed um, help, with the help of a therapist. Um, if finding your specific needs of of how to navigate the specifics of your relationship can really be helpful. You know, if I'm finding it difficult to have an open dialogue with my partner, why is that? Uh, let's talk about that. 
Um, another thing I, I often suggest with couples is sensate focus. Um, you know, that, that ability, uh, many, many people don't know what they, they're not aware of what they like, um, particularly when it comes to, to sexual intimacy. What turns me on? What what gets me in the mood? Um, and then what keeps me in the mood? What what helps me to be more open to that? And so Sensate Focus is a really good way of slowing that down and really having it be about being present with your partner, um, being in the presence of someone else who, you know, maybe we're naked lying on the bed, just holding each other. And there's no other purpose than just connection. And it can be an incredibly bonding experience for a lot of people. Um, there's all sorts of different sensate focus exercises that when worked through at a, at a slow pace, being able to debrief after them, have a safe space to talk about them can be incredibly helpful. Um, and this is where a therapist can come in too because you're not gonna know exactly how to navigate them. You can research them, you can pull them up on the internet, you can look at what, you know, what does sensei focus look like and what does it, what are the, some exercises and there are some really great ones out there. But again, sometimes it's, it's difficult to navigate on your own and um, therapy can help help you navigate that. It could also help you navigate those underlying issues that might be difficult to express to your partner or getting in the way of us having a sexually satisfying relationship. Um, many of my couples who, who come in um, often, even the ones who are not presenting specifically with sex, we're talking about sex because sex is an important part of a relationship. Um, it's really the thing that makes marriage different than most of our other relationships that we have in life. Um, and so really talking about it becomes a necessary thing in couples work and uh, can, can really help to improve the relationship, not only the sexual relationship, but also just the overall emotional intimacy in, in a relationship. So again, this is a difficult topic for a lot of couples to address. Um, if you're finding kind of some uneasiness about this, please know that that's normal. Um, it's very normal to know, like, where do I even start? How do I even begin this? What do I even talk about? And and feeling the, well, I don't know, my partner's going to, like, how are they going to see me or view me? Or how is their view of me going to change if I tell them this sexual fantasy that I have or that I don't have or that I don't have any? Or how do I talk about it? Or how do I know what they are? Those are all very common questions, very normal questions. Um, and it, it really just again, means that let's take a look at those underlying issues or, or emotional desire and connection and, and help you really feel seen and supported and heard by your partner, as well as be able to, to seek desire in a sexual way that is satisfying for, for both of you. Again, if you are struggling with any of this, there's lots of resources out there. We have some some other podcasts to listen to um, on the Puzzle of Us here at Cash Valley Counseling. We also have, um, again, if sexual desire specifically is what you're struggling with, um, Jennifer Finlayson Fife has some good resources. Emily Nagoski, which I mentioned earlier, also has some good, uh, the Come As You Are book is very good. There's lots of good resources out there, but um, start diving in, figuring out, okay, where do I, where, where am I lacking? Where am I feeling like I'm there's gaps in my understanding and, and fill in those gaps with 
with information, with knowledge, um, and, and get help. Uh, it's never too late to reach out to therapists. Um, like I said, we have lots of great therapists at Cash Valley Counseling. Um, and this is something that we talk about on a very regular basis. And it, it isn't weird. It isn't um, shameful. And, and we do it in a way that really helps support your relationship and navigate this in a way that is new and different for your relationship. Um, so again, today, it's been so great talking to you about the high desire, low desire, and how to navigate it a little bit in your relationship and what to look out for and, and pitfalls and things that you can do to overcome high desire and low desire partner, a difference of desire. So um, reach out to us, send us a question. If you have a question about sex, we'd love to hear it. Um, if you're a high desire or a low desire partner and I missed something, which I'm sure I did. Um, please, please let me know if you didn't get your questions answered. I'd love to, to speak to that a little bit more. Um, reach out to us, send us a, send us a message. Um, if you are struggling intimately and you're sure, you're not really sure where to start, um, we do have some online courses. Uh, one of our courses is called Cultivating Connections that really focuses on the attachment and building a secure attachment with your partner. Um, it's a great place to start. So check that out. It's called Cultivating Connections here at Cash Valley Counseling. And uh, it's been a pleasure talking to you about high desire and low desire partnership today. Again, I'm Chelsea Peterson, your host of The Puzzle of Us, and we will see you next time.